Welcome to a Genuine Girl Podcast. My name is Meredith, and I'm just a college girl who's trying to keep it real while inspiring other girls to do the same. In this podcast, I talk through some of the experiences, thoughts, and feelings I've had as a college student in hopes of reminding you that you aren't alone, while providing insight to make your challenges easier to manage. I can't promise that I know everything, but I think that the beauty of this podcast comes from being genuine rather than being perfect. So sit back, relax, and get ready because things are about to get real. Hey guys, I am really excited about this week's episode, but before we dive into it, I just want to give you a little bit of an introduction as to what will really be going on in this episode. So I have a guest on the podcast today, Katie Hunzinger, and she is currently getting her PhD. She's been a college student. She's gone through the whole experience, but her college experience wasn't necessarily a typical college experience. She did a lot of moving around, she had some trouble finding her place, and I thought that some of the experiences she had could be very valuable learning lessons to all of us current college students because she just really does a great job of reminding us that it's okay to not have it all figured out, it's okay to fail, and it's okay to not know exactly where your place is on a college campus. So if you've ever felt like you can't find your place or you're struggling to fit in or you keep failing in a sense and you can't really figure out how to make the most of your experience, Listen to this episode. I think Katie has some super valuable tips, and she's going to introduce herself a little bit more in just a moment, but that's all I want to say leading up to this is that I got a lot out of this episode myself, being a college student who sometimes doesn't know what I'm doing, and so I think you'll be able to get a lot out of it as well. I hope you guys enjoy, and let's get right into our interview with Katie. Hi, everyone. I am here now with my guest, Katie. Katie, first of all, thank you so much for being here. And also, I just thought I would start by asking you to do a little quick introduction of yourself and a little bit about you so my audience can get to know you before we dive into these questions. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you for having me. Uh, So I am currently a PhD student at the University of Delaware. I'm getting my doctorate in biomechanics and movement sciences and I'm part of the UD Concussion Research Lab. So I work primarily on looking at the effects of concussion and subsequent musculoskeletal injury in athletes as well as um, ROTC cadets. And then I, on the weekends, I referee rugby and I also do contract work for World Rugby as an educator for USA Rugby in the strength and conditioning strata. Wow, that is all so cool. It sounds like you have a very busy schedule (laughs) and a lot that keeps you going, but it would also be really cool to hear about how you got to that point. And I know a little bit about you and your college journey, but I know you probably wouldn't be where you are today if it weren't through all of the hurdles you had to get through through college. So I would love to go through your whole college journey with you and 
start by taking it kind of piece by piece because just talking to you before the episode, I know that your college experience might not be what a lot of people consider a traditional college experience, which is not bad at all. And honestly, I think a lot of college students are going through similar struggles right now as you may have gone through in college. So I would love to start with how you started your college experience. And I know you said that you received an ROTC scholarship when you first started college. And so I would love to hear how that kind of went, going to that school where you got the scholarship and how that kind of started your journey. Yeah, definitely. So um, the biggest thing that we always say in research is liars figure and figures lie. And so I always tell people, if you look at my resume, you'd see, okay, graduated high school, four years later, graduated college, two years later, graduated master's. So it looks like I went from A to B to C, very clean cut. Uh, That is certainly not the case at all. So yeah, like you said, I... Uh, My father's military, I have a strong military influence in my entire family, and so I never really gave it much thought and just thought, you know, I'm going to be in the military, and it's what I wanted to do. It seemed like a good fit for me uh, because it was a job that valued fitness, and it had organization and structure, and that's something I learned as I came further into adulthood, that that's something that I really needed in my life was organization and structure. And so to me, it was a no-brainer. I was, I was going to apply for these ROTC scholarships. And my father's a Marine, and so I didn't give it any second guess and just said, okay, I'll be a Marine like my father. So uh, mistake number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, don't do th- something just because it feels right. Uh, you know, I just didn't seek any guidance. I just assumed, you know, my dad's a Marine. I should be a Marine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in 2000, let's see, when did I graduate high school? 2011, you know, that, yeah. I mean, that wasn't a good decision to make yeah. based upon, you know, someone else's experience. And so the other factor was that both my parents went to the same large uh, university. And so it was never a thought in my mind was I'm going to go there. And mistake number two. <laughs> <laughs> so you should never go somewhere just because your parents went there. Um, You know, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. And so I always had a lot of friends that would go out of state to like Big Ten schools like Wisconsin or Iowa or, you know, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State. And they would always say, you know, oh, I'm going because it's a party school or oh, I'm going because my parents went there. And I'm like, okay, in my mind, I'm like, every school is a party school. There's 18 to 22 year olds that are young, dumb and looking to drink, you know, (laughs) that shouldn't be your reason to choose anywhere. And you know, not to mention the out-of-state tuition. And so, you know, and here I was making the same dumb decision. I was saying, oh, I'm just going to go somewhere because my parents went there. And it's what I always wanted. Uh, Lo and behold, way too big of a university for me. Um, So it it turned out to be everything that could go wrong did. So I showed up to school early um, with ROTC um, because we had some training to do. And the downside was I got placed in an upperclassman dorm on the other end of campus, about three miles from where I needed to be every morning at like five in the morning. Oh, wow. So so then the problem was we're going through all this training. I'm having to get up an hour earlier than everyone else just so I can walk and get there in time. And, and, you know, I'm in this empty dorm, so I'm coming home at night and I have no one to confide in, whereas all my other ROTC midshipmen are going home to the same dorms together and saying, yeah, that sucked, but we got each other. And so I really had no one to confide in. And 
it was just really this accumulation of being away from home for really the first time. I'm in this big place with no schedule, no routine, and I've got nobody to confide upon. And so my mental health just plummeted. I stopped sleeping. I was stressed. Um, there was just some bad experiences with the ROTC battalion. And so yeah. I called my parents. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. I'm about to, I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown. And they were like, oh, it's fine. You can just drop the scholarship. We'll pay for school. And, you know, wow. here I am thinking like, no way. I just got a free ride to college. I'm not having you pay for this. Mm-hmm. And so um, the other thing was I turned down athletic scholarships to pursue the military option. So then it was like, shoot, like double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> well, to get, you know, and I didn't apply to any other academic scholarships because I knew ROTC was full funding. Uh, so then it was like, you know, from hero to zero really quick. And so I said, you know, pick me up, take me home. Like I need to figure myself out. Like this is not healthy. And exactly. so it was a huge you know, huge damage to my ego. You know, it, it was one of those things where you're the star athlete, you're the star student, everything came easy. And all of a sudden I was nobody and lost. Right. <laughs> no, but I think it's so inspiring how uh, even through all, all of that, you knew that you had to make a change. And instead of just sticking it out and feeling like you had to just keep going because you did have the scholarship and all these great opportunities available to you, instead of doing that, you you actually made the change. And so did there ever come a point where you were like, maybe I should just keep going, maybe I shouldn't leave? Or was it just like it kind of clicked for you one day and you didn't care and you just really knew that the right thing to do for you was to get out of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I feel like each day it just got progressively worse where I was noticing things bugging me more and more. And it was, you know, I remember having a conversation with my parents being like, this isn't good. And then, you know, my parents saying, you know, tough it out, you know, classes are going to start in a few weeks, you know, we're going to come and visit, Um, you know, just make it to then. And it was kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. okay, just try to make it until then. And then just things just got worse and worse. And, you know, it's just like an accumulation of all these little things. Like they gave me the wrong size boots. And so my feet got so cut up, I couldn't wear shoes. Oh my gosh. Um, my legs got all cut up from doing PT. And so then my, my legs were all cut up and just had, you know, light surface abrasions. But then it was just like, you know, added things. It was like, you know, shoot, I don't have a med kit in my dorm and I don't have time to go to Walgreens and I don't have a car on campus. How am I going to get to Walgreens? You know, and, right. thing. and I don't know how the bus works here. And it was just all these things that it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so unprepared. Like here I was thinking I was so prepared and I know nothing and I'm just falling apart. So I just said, you know, like after it just getting worse few days, few days, I just said, nope, can't do it. I'm out. (laughs) No, that's, that's great that you were able to have the courage to just do that and do what was best for you. Cause I think a lot of people just try to keep going, even if they're unhappy. And so it, in, as we'll get through your story a little more through the podcast, I think it kind of all comes together to show that, yeah, it was kind of probably a scary decision to leave all of that behind, but it ultimately led you to where you are today. And I'm sure it ultimately is a decision you're glad that you made. (laughs) Um, Oh, absolutely. Yes. But I'm sure too, right after that happened, when you went home, you were saying, 
you kind of had no idea what to do. So tell me a little bit about what happened once you got back home. Yeah, so talk about an existential <laughs> crisis. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, you know, so like I said, you know, everything just always seemed to come simple. And it just seemed like my plan was already laid out in front of me. You know, I was going to do the military and I was going to serve 20 to 30 years and retire. And that was going to be my life. It seemed like I had ages zero to 52 planned out. And all of a sudden it yeah. was like, I don't even have tomorrow planned out. And so when I initially enrolled in college, I was going to be an engineering major because everyone in my family is an engineer. And, you know, mistake number, I don't know what number we're at now because there's so many. <laughs> it's because, okay. Yeah. And so it was just, I'm good at math and science, so I should be an engineer. I, again, I just, I just let kind of society dictate for me. I didn't kind of really explore my interests. Um, I didn't really kind of take that one class I really liked and ran with it or, you know, met people who worked in the fields, you know, or looked at even other majors, just kind of assumed like you're, you're smart at math and science, you should be an engineer. That's what people good at math and science do. And mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, you know, here I am, you know, I'm probably not going to, you know, I'm not doing the ROTC thing. I'm probably not going to get picked up to play sports again. And so I was, all set and my parents and we just kind of enrolled me in the local community college and classes had already started so much of it was full um so there was just really nothing so i was enrolled in like one class and again still kind of under engineering and i remember even in that class i was hopelessly lost like i think i went to one or two classes and on a whim i was talking to one of a, uh, my old softball teammates from high school who was a year older than me and she was attending a local university, her and her twin sister. Uh, it was actually where my mom got her master's uh, at, Benedictine University in okay. Lyle, Illinois. And yeah. so she was playing softball there and she was commuting from our hometown. It was, you know, six miles away. And so on a whim, I just said, you know, I emailed the basketball coach and said, you know, hey, I know you're a small school and, you know, not really the level of basketball I'm used to playing, but, you know, here's, you know, here's my basketball resume. Here's my, you know, life resume. I had some life experiences happen. Maybe is there a chance that I could come and play basketball for you come springtime? And yeah. this coach, Kristen Gillespie, uh, I think she literally emailed me back and was like, call my cell phone now with her cell phone number. Wow. And so this was, <laughs> I believe, on like a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And so the next day she got me enrolled in classes and I started class at Benedictine and hello, welcome to the basketball team. Wow. That's <laughs> <And> so, insane. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, looking back, I'm like, boy, was that erratic. And, you know, I'm really thankful that I had parents that kind of supported me, but it was one of those things where I was just looking for meaning and I was looking for structure, taking one course over a semester at a community college did not feel meaningful to me versus taking a full course load, you know, at some other university. And also it gave me the purpose of playing basketball again. It kind of immediately gave you that group of friends and people to confide in, which I didn't have at the former university. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, that's so great that that all worked out so quickly for you too. I mean, I can't imagine if that happened to me, it would be kind of scary, kind of exciting. And that's, that's especially, exactly <laughs> you know, because it's you probably just a few days before that you had no idea that this was going to be your life now. And <laughs> I mean, it, that's 
That's so cool you took that plunge, though. Were there ever any moments in that experience where you were kind of doubting yourself or thinking like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Is this really a good idea? Or were you kind of all in? (laughs) I feel like I was just 100% all in because I was just searching for purpose and something to define myself again because I lost all definition of my character. I was no longer that top athlete, the top scholar, Mm-hmm. you know, doing the military thing, getting all these scholarships. And, you know, and I really let those things define who I was. And that's not to say they, they aren't parts of me, but I let them wholeheartedly define me. And I think that led me down a wrong path. And yes. I always say that um, to friends now, and I guess I'll kind of get that, get to that point later on in the podcast when we talk right. about more college. <laughs> oh, yes. No, I... I think that's definitely a big issue that a lot of us struggle with as students, especially having this pressure to have this perfect resume, be well-rounded. It's like, it's hard not to let those elements of us define who we really are. So I think it's great you were able to take that jump, though, make that change. And how did it go for you when you switched to that college, started playing basketball? Were you happy there? Yeah, so it was, you know, the first week was probably definitely chaotic. It was getting into that routine. And again, like I said, I really craved structure. And college is really not structured compared to secondary education, where it's you go to class from 8 to 4 o'clock, and then you go to practice, and you go home, and every day is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I think that was a huge adjustment for me. And it was kind of nice that I was able to make that adjustment while living at my parents' house. And, you know, realize like, okay, you're only going to be in class a few hours, Monday and Wednesdays and Fridays, and then different classes, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, um, you know, and then I had basketball and that was really good for me because one, it was social. So it helped Mm -hmm. my mental wellness and social wellness and then physical, obviously, because you're working out again and playing a sport that I loved. And it just gave you that community again. Immediately I had, you know, 20 people that I knew on campus and with it being a small campus, I, it really was good for me. And it turns out that's what I needed at that time was I didn't need the big campus with 40,000 students. I needed maybe the smaller campus with 6,000. Yes. That was very walkable and I could get to things quickly and it wasn't, you know, a 45 minute adventure just to take a bus to class and things like right. that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, So I definitely kind of thrived. And then come my sophomore year, I was kind of having that crisis again of, you know, I need to get out of my parents' house. Uh, I need to, I need to move forward. And maybe this still isn't the right thing for me. I was studying health sciences, kind of pre-med track. And I said, you know, this still isn't really for me. I was still kind of learning how to study. That was something, you know, in high school, you rely on, oh, like 80% of your grade is homework and just showing up and college. (laughs) college it's like 80% of your grade is two tests yes it's <laughs> so, crazy <laughs> yeah and so I kind of really relied on just kind of showing up and doing the work and getting A's that way and so college is not like that and so I really had to learn how to study and I never did that you know before yes. age 19 20 and so I was still kind of looking for that meaning and so um and I was dealing with some injuries from basketball I had a few concussions oh. and um So then my brother had just transferred to a larger state school that was still fairly close to home, Northern Illinois. And so I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to transfer there. Like it, it gets me out of my parents' house, you know, something that I, a hurdle that I need to get over. And my brother's there if I need him. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I was working with ROTC and they 
gave me some housing money, which was nice, and so that oh. got me right in. So I transferred in and started working with Army ROTC to Northern Illinois, and I switched my major to exercise science, which really was what I was truly passionate about, was, you know, how can we make exercise applicable to our life and use exercise as medicine? And so that was right. another whirlwind transition, but it worked out really well because I was living on the housing floor with all of the other ROTC cadets. So I had all my buddies right away. I had a community. And then within my first week at Northern Illinois, I was working out shooting hoops and these people told me to get off the basketball courts they had practice. And so I started to leave and they asked me to come back and it was the women's oh. rugby and it was the women's rugby team. And they said, you know, have you ever heard of rugby? You like a athletic? And I was like, well, you know, I've heard of it. I don't know anything about it. And they were like, well, why don't you come join us? <laughs> and wow. so then right then and there, within my first week at NIU, I had two communities. I had not only my ROTC battalion, but I had these uh, amazing group of girls rugby on the rugby team. And, uh, you know, that really took off and kind of really just gave me that community during my college career that I really needed. Yes. Wow. That is so cool how that stuff just happens. And I'm sure, I mean, you were just on the basketball court doing your thing. You probably had no idea that something like that would happen. And then it would lead you to continue working and with rugby and everything, even today. Like, that's so cool how just sometimes it's those small interactions that end up making a huge difference in your life. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm like, if that, if that girl didn't say, get back here, I probably yeah. would have never played rugby. You would have never. That's so crazy. So you started playing rugby and you still had, like, the ROTC stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, um, okay. continued through that and then kind of dealt with some more concussion issues which kind of led me to have to pull out of ROTC. And it was one of those things that kind of, again, everything seems to happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I kind of finished out my collegiate, collegiate career and played rugby while I was there and just really thrived and loved it. And um, I remember my junior year, I took biomechanics. And oh. <laughs> come, sen- yeah, come senior year, I asked that same professor, I said, you know, I really like biomechanics you know, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. And he was like, you're not going to find really a strict master's in biomechanics. There's not too many. So why don't you see who's doing the research that you like and see where they're at, which was great advice. Yes. (laughs) And I, you know, as an undergrad, you know, I just kind of took it and ran with it. But it's so funny as a master's student, as a PhD student, that is the advice I tell all of my students now when they're looking for grad school. Mm -hmm. And so... I found Dr. Steve Messier at Wake Forest University. And so I was like, okay. And so my parents' rule was you're not going to grad school unless it's paid for because both of them got their master's paid for. My mom's employer paid for hers and my dad was a graduate assistant. And so I was like, okay, so do they offer assistantships? Yes, okay, they're fully funded. Are they highly ranked? And so I think they were in the top three of the programs. And then I was, really like Dr. Messier's research. He did research with neosteoarthritis, which had a very clinical aspect, which I liked. And then he also did research with runners. And so that had the athletic component, which I really liked. And so I said, you know, that's it. I'm going to apply to Wake Forest. And so I applied to like four master's programs and I got into them all and they all gave me funding, but Wake was my top choice. And so I said, that's it, you know, I'm moving to North Carolina. And I know a lot of my friends and family were kind of worried. They said, you know, NIU was close to home. 
Wake Forest is, you know, 10 hour drive, really a flight away. And so is it going to be okay? And Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) that's, I remember the first day of classes, they all ask, you know, what do you see yourself doing when you're done here? And, you know, I remember saying, oh, I'll probably move back home and work in Chicago and, you know, do the thing like all my other friends did. They all went to school and they all came back, got jobs in Chicago and lived in Chicago for the rest of their lives. And I think after three weeks of being at North Carolina, I was like, I'm never coming back. Like, I love it here. Like, oh my goodness. It was one of those things. Like, I just, I really flourished and I really discovered myself and I never got to travel much in college or high school because I always had sports. And when I lived in Winston-Salem, every weekend I was going to the mountains or going to the beach or exploring somewhere new. And so I really got to play tourist in my own town. And I just thrived and loved it. And then, um, unfortunately, I got two bad concussions in grad school, Uh, just freak accidents. I got rear-ended. And so that led me talking to one of my old teammates Uh, Nitro and she said go get your ref certification and so that kind of led me to staying involved in rugby got my ref certification and then during my second year of grad school I got invited out with USA Rugby to get trained to become an educator for them in their strength and conditioning strata so then you know here I was at 23 and you know I'm finishing up my master's degree I'm working in cardiac rehab as as, um, for my clinical hours I'm working as a teaching assistant for the university, teaching an undergraduate course, finishing up my master's, and I'm, you know, working as this educator for World Rugby. And so it was just amazing where I kind of went from hero to zero, kind of back to hero and feeling like I had this purpose again. Yes. Wow. That's just so crazy to me to think you were only 23 and all of this had happened just in the past few years of your life. I mean, it sounds like like for most people it sounds like that would be a process that would take years and years but the fact that this all happened for you so quickly is amazing (laughs) I'm just here like wow she is so awesome she got all of these great opportunities and I think it really did come as a result it sounds like of you just really putting yourself into new opportunities new experiences and not being afraid to try new things and look at everything that came out of it (laughs) Yeah, and I think a lot of it, you know, uh, came from just some other people sticking their necks out for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't have gone to Benedictine if it weren't for that coach. And then the real kicker to transfer into Northern was my captain in ROTC who got me a housing waiver so that helped offset tuition. And because I was working throughout college because I didn't want to take money from my parents and have them pay. And, uh mm-hmm. Uh, So I was doing everything I could, and then even in grad school, you know, there was some letters of rec, and then uh, getting the job with World Rugby, it was my friend Kelly Sullivan who actually played against me in college for rugby. She was at a different university. She was working for USA Rugby, and I had contacted her, and I said, you know, I saw this posting for the World World Rugby educator. You know, should I apply? And she was like, yeah, I think you should, because I felt like I wasn't qualified. I was like, you know, I'm only 23. This doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it's for a 23-year-old. And, you know, lo and behold, there were um, three strength and conditioning educators uh, trained when we all got trained together, and all three of them were women under 30, 
which was awesome. And so we have, we've got a great group of strength and conditioning educators, and we've got some good diversity there. And a lot yes. of that just kind of came from people sticking their necks out for me or saying, yeah, you should do this, or yeah, have some confidence in yourself. Right. So yeah. out well. And so I always tell people, I'm like, don't burn bridges. You never know. It'll come back to bite you, especially my world in academia. You know, everyone seems to know everyone. And so if you, you know, tick someone off or someone has a bad memory of you, like, people don't forget. Right. Yes. And that could really extend if someone hears something bad about you, then other people could start to think bad things. And it's like a whole cycle. And yeah, I totally get that. You always want to be on good terms with everyone. And especially because you never know where you could be getting that advice from or making those connections in the future. That's really awesome. And going along with that, I'd just be curious, since you said you had so many great helping hands along the way, was there one person or one piece of advice that you heard that really changed things for you? Or is there something like a good tidbit of information you'd want my audience to hear from what you've learned from other people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> So I say this all the time when I talk to high schoolers and young college students is never underestimate the power of an email. A lot of my stuff has happened simply because of an email. And so, you know, my email to the coach at Benedictine that got me in there. And then my email to ROTC at NIU that kind of got the ball rolling to transferring to NIU. And then an email to Wake Forest saying, hey, I'm interested in your grad program. And I had a phone call with Dr. Messier and that kind of really helped solidify things there. And then with your PhD, what's really interesting is, and it's funny, you don't need to be the smartest student to get a PhD. You just need to have good work ethic. So if you told me, you know, when I was in high school that, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to have a PhD, I would have laughed in your face. Yeah. And I'm like, no way, like, I'm not smart enough for that. And, you know, it's really interesting because you, you don't have to be brilliant. You, you have to know your material, but anyone can, you know, be an expert in anything. It's just a matter of putting in the work. And so with mm -hmm. PhD programs, to essentially get accepted is you need like a 3.0 GPA, so like a B average, and essentially just an advisor willing to take you on and fund you. And so finding the right advisor is as simple as sending an email and saying, hey, here's my resume, here's my curriculum vitae, I'm interested in your research, I really like it, uh, can I work for you? Do you have funding available? And so that's how I got to Delaware, was I got connected through my former advisor, Dr. Messier, uh, to one of his former grad students, Dr. Joe Say, and I said, hey, you know, Dr. Say, I'm really interested in doing research with concussions in the military, and Dr. Say was like, well, why don't you check out, you know, Dr. Buckley and Dr. Swanick at University of Delaware. And so all I did was email them and say, Dr. Say sent me your way. I'm really interested in your research. I looked at your website. I like what you do. Are you available to take on a PhD student? And they said, yes, please apply. And so wow. it's just that simple. And yes. so a lot of the times with like our undergrads that are trying to get into grad school or trying to get interns, it's as simple as sending an email to someone, and a lot of the PhD students pretty much got connected through, majority of us, just through a cold email saying, hey, I like your research. And that's not to say some of them didn't meet, you know, get connected at a conference and say, hey, my boss was your PhD student years ago, you know, 
can you introduce us? But a lot of it's just the power of a simple email. And so yes. I really, I really kind of emphasize just one, sending it from an appropriate email account. So don't be sending it from, <laughs> you know, like my age group, we grew up on, you know, AOL and AIM screen names. So it was really funny when you'd get like a graduate application from like soccer cutie xoxo3 at aol.com <laughs> oh yeah those are some fun emails <laughs> right you know so it's like okay really like please and and so it just kind of immediately lowers the bar for that applicant and so it's just like sending from a professional email so whether that's your name at gmail.com or your name and a number at gmail.com or you know your school email whatever it may be and just kind of making sure it's an appropriate email you know you're not saying What's up, Katie? Yes. Yeah. You know, hello, you know, doctor or miss or Mrs., Mr., whomever. And, you know, spell check is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just like really simple things, but it just, it works. A simple email works all the time and just never underestimate the power of an email and just being polite with others because people will stick their necks out for you. And it really is a small world and, you know, there's connections everywhere. Oh, for sure. I think that's such great advice because I think for me, sometimes I'm nervous to email someone to reach out and I don't even know why, because really the worst thing that could happen is that they just don't get back to you and, oh, well, like, you know, at least you tried and you put yourself out there. And like you said, you never know what could come out of it. It sounds like some great things have come out of it for you. And now you're getting your PhD. I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) And I mean, going off of that, too, this is kind of getting us off topic a little bit. But I know earlier you were talking about having to really learn how to study and have that work ethic. And I know getting your Ph.D. now, you have to have that work ethic and that dedication to doing that. Um, And I just was hearing you talk about everything you got involved in in college, and it made me wonder, wow, like, how did she find that balance with between school and rugby and ROTC and everything else going on? Um, And how, I guess, do you have any study tips or anything that helped you find that balance in college since you were so busy? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it's a matter of kind of what you value. And so for me, uh, I've always valued sleep and exercise. <laughs> so yes. those have always been my priorities. No matter what I do, uh, I always make sure I get my eight hours of sleep. And it was really nice. In grad school, my roommate, Kate, we were in the same program. And we had a rule that we didn't study after dinner. We were done. And so mm-hmm. I really like that rule. It works for me. Uh, it's kind of, That rule has kind of gone out the window during my PhD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, so there's just things that I always make time for. And so I've always made sure that I get my eight hours of sleep and I always make sure I go to the gym. And so what works for me now as, as a doctoral student is I've always just kind of gone to work early. I do my work and then I usually leave around two o'clock. And so, which is kind of unheard of in the PhD world. Yeah. And so at two o'clock, I always leave. I come home, I take my dog on my walk and then I go to the gym for about two hours. And so... I love it. And so some, you know, does that mean I'm working out for two hours? No, you know, sometimes it's just me talking with friends at my gym. I go to a CrossFit gym, so it's very social. Uh You know, sometimes it's me just doing nothing for two hours, but it's my social wellness. It's my physical wellness and it's my mental wellness. And then I usually come home, have dinner, and then I work for some more. And I'm usually actually my most productive after the gym. And so that's always worked for me. And 
you know, it's just kind of making sure you find thing times for the things that you love, you know, so I will put off doing laundry if it means I can go to the gym, you know, but I'm not going to give up something if it means I'm losing sleep. I've always said, like, I'm never going to pull an all-nighter. If I don't know it, I don't know it. And right. so <laughs> in, under, in undergrad, you know, it's just kind of finding this, that time and saying, okay, you know, here's my 24-hour day, eight of it is sleep, so what am I doing in this other 16 hours? And you don't realize how much time you actually do have. You know, it's really easy to go and do nothing all day and watch Netflix and go, oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock. I still have to do that 30 minutes of homework or 10 minutes of studying. And so actually what worked for me was kind of pairing it up was I would go to the gym in undergrad and I used to get laughed at all the time, but I don't care. <laughs> and I, and I did it and I did it during my master's too, especially mm-hmm. when I was studying for my uh, clinical exercise physiologist certification. Yeah. Um, I would write out all my notes, I'd rewrite it, and then I'd go to the gym and I'd walk on the treadmill or sit on the bike and read my notes because it forced me to study. And so oh, yeah. those things where it was like, okay, I'm moving, it's, you know, it's low intensity, it's not like I'm sweating bullets and I'm breathing hard, but it was just, I wanted to move and it forced, it allowed me to move, get some extra physical activity in, and it forced me to study and it was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit on this bike for 30 minutes and, you know, when I'm done, I'm done. And if I read, rewrite my notes three times in that 30 minutes, great. If I read it once, great too. It's better than not studying. And so it was good for me because I felt good about myself knowing that I did some physical activity, but I felt better knowing that I was studying and I was prepared for class. Yes. No, that's such a great tip. And if it makes you feel better, I see people do that at my gym all the time too. (laughs) So you are not the only one. And I definitely want to start trying out that strategy because I mean, yeah, you're getting that exercise, you're getting the studying in, it's like two in one, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly, and so, like, I would do my normal exercises for, you know, half hour, and then I'd be like, okay, now it's time to sit on the bike and study, Right. but it's just, it, it was nice, because it forced me to study, it forced me to get things in, because I, I could not still, like, I think I went to the library, like, once in undergrad, and I hated it, I was like, it's so quiet, I'm scared to sneeze, everyone's, <laughs> you know, everyone here is stressed. And I, and I don't like that, you know, and I I had a professor in grad school that taught, you know, our stress management class and she was great. And, uh, you know, she would always joke that, you know, she's like, stress isn't contagious, you know, it's not airborne, but it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, I was like, you know, I beg to differ. I feel like if I'm near stressed out people, I'm going to get stressed for them and I'm going to get more stressed. And so I just felt like, you know, finding that appropriate study environment works great for you. And for me, it was certainly not the library. You know, I went to a lot of coffee shops, (laughs) like during my master's degree, I studied a lot at coffee shops because, you know, I'm not at home, so I can't go turn on Netflix. I can't go take Mm -hmm. a nap. And so, but I couldn't do the library because the library stressed me out. And so for me, it was okay. I spent $4 on this fancy latte. I need to sit here for at least two hours and do work. And so I actually dedicated my master's thesis to a local coffee shop. <laughs> wow. That's so awesome, though. I mean, it's great that you found somewhere where you felt like you could really get stuff done. And I think that's a big thing, too, is in terms of productivity. Like, you just have to find that place that works for you. And for some people, it's the library. For some people, it's coffee shops. And I mean, some people, it's the gym. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> that works, too. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, so I was a big fan of, like, using a planner. I, you know, I'm such a like a type A person. And so for me, it was one of those things where it was, 
you know, here's on my to do list today. And sometimes my to do list meant studying for class, homework for the other class and then laundry, you know, so I would combine it all. And so this is my day. This is my to do list. And that's always seemed to work well for me. Like, you know, I'm looking at my schedule today and it's I, you know, I wrote down dust, you know, like dusting, yes. dusting is on my to do list and which is right next to all my other academic work stuff. But it's just I value all of it just the same for me. And so, you know, obviously I'm going to prioritize a deadline over dusting, but, you know, it's, yeah, you know, I it's know, like, yeah. hey, here's my day and this is what I want to get done. And I feel really good when I get all those things checked off my list. Right, exactly. I think there's just such a satisfying feeling about ch- crossing something off or checking it off of the list, even if it's something as small as dusting. Exactly. <laughs> makes yeah. A difference, you know, it makes you feel good. <laughs> right. That's exactly it. The satisfaction and just checking it off. And I think that's why I'm so anal retentive and and write everything on my list of what's going to be on my to-do list today. Oh, no, I think that's great. I'm the same way. I like to have a very clear picture of every little thing I'm going to do. So I totally agree with that. Um, no, those are all really great tips. And uh, one that I that really stuck out to me that you were talking about in the beginning was making time for the things you really love, the things you're passionate about. And it kind of brings me to one of my last questions here. It, I know that this has kind of been a big thing for you is finding what you love to do, finding your passions. And through your whole college journey and even today, you've had a lot of experience trying to find those things and falling down and having to get back up again. And I know you've already given some great tips on this, but do you have any final words of wisdom or advice for other students who are kind of going through a similar experience as you did in college and are just really trying to find their place on campus, trying to find what they love to do, but are kind of struggling? Yeah, definitely. So one thing I always was almost kind of perturbed by was when people would really just define themselves by one thing. And don't get me wrong, I was that, and I'm trying to prevent that for other people because I define myself as the athlete, as the star student, and you know, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and, it, and it sounds so bad, but nobody cares. And so a lot of the times I joke, you know, when my friends ask me, oh, did you play college basketball? Did you, you know, did you play college rugby? I say, yeah, I played left bench. Um, you know, because it's funny, I'm a joker, yeah. like, you know, nobody cares that, you know, I broke records, or I did this, or I did that, or I got these accolades, because at the end of the day, nobody cares. That's not, that's not what's going to get me a job. And mm-hmm. so like, yes, it looks great on your resume that maybe you were involved with a sport or a club sport or some activity. That's great, because that shows time management. Uh, but nobody cares about the rest of it. And so like I would see it a lot where people would define themselves by one thing and then they'd graduate college and that thing is gone. You know, so mm-hmm. I was on club lacrosse and my life was lacrosse and all I did was lacrosse and then I graduated and congratulations, you're not playing lacrosse anymore. <laughs> you're you know, you don't have a lacrosse team. You have to find a job. Yes. <laughs> and, and so it's really easy to kind of get sucked in, but you have to remember, like, what is the long-term goal? Is your long-term goal maybe being a professional lacrosse player? Sure, then maybe you should focus in on that, but chances are it's probably not, and I hate being grim, you know, but especially as a yeah. female, female athlete, like, you're not going to get anywhere 
probably as a female athlete and make it a career. It's just the, you know, it's, it's unfortunately the facts of life. And so I've seen it a lot with my athletic friends is they graduate and it's a, this big, who am I? And mm-hmm. so that was kind of my big thing was making sure I had things outside of, you know, basketball or rugby and, and, you know, what could I do? And, and having these communities outside of my, my main focus in life. And so that really helped me because in college, I, I worked at a gym, which was really nice because then mm-hmm. I had my, my friends from my kinesiology classes. I had my friends from rugby, but then I also had my friends from the gym. And so it just really kind of gave me a community and a way mm-hmm. to expand myself and essentially diversify myself. And then it was the same thing during grad school was I wanted to find friends outside of my program and same thing during my PhD. And so I've got my gym friends and I've got my work friends and I've got my rugby friends. And so it, it just allows me to have these separate communities without just letting one thing define me mm-hmm. because otherwise you're just going to get consumed and burn out and we see burnout is all too common nowadays. So it's great to be involved in things, but don't let that one thing consume or define you. Yes, I think that's such great advice. And it's very easy for college students to get in that mindset of just letting that thing define them and almost feeling like they have to be that person, be involved in that certain thing for other people and not really for themselves. And so I think it's really important to just, yeah, diversify yourself, like you said. And I'm really inspired by how you just continued to get back up on your feet when one thing didn't work out and you didn't find your place. You kept trying new things. And I think that's really valuable advice and a great experience to share with other college students because we're all trying to figure out what we want to do with our lives. And honestly, not a lot of us really know what we're doing, but it's easy to look around and think that everyone else has it figured out. So it's good to hear from someone else who also kind of struggled through the whole experience. But again, look at where you are now. It really did come full circle for you. So that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay and it's okay to not know like everyone always asks me that's the, that's the dreaded question right when you're about to graduate anything whether it's high school undergrad master's phd you know what's next what do you want to do and i always tell people i always say i want to be happy and it's funny because people are usually taken aback by that answer because it's it's not the normal answer you know usually people have this plan laid out and this is what i want to do and this is how i want to do it and at the end of the day, I've got a very simple goal and I want to be happy. And if that means, you know, working one job over the other, great. If it means I'm happy, that's my goal. And so, yes. you know, find what works yes. for you. No, I think that's such a great mindset to have. Don't just focus on that dream job or dream, you know, whatever you want to do with your life. Like, that's great if you know, but more than anything, I think just being happy is the most important thing you can do for yourself. So that's kind of funny because my last question was going to be like, what do you think the future looks like for you? What do you want? (laughs) But now you just want to be happy, which I think is a great way to end off the podcast. Um, and it's going to be so cool. I'm excited to continue following you and your journey. Is there anywhere else that you would like to, um, I guess, advertise for people to find you if people want to learn more about you and your journey? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, I'm fairly active on Twitter for academic purposes. So I think that's um, Hunzinger, my last name, U-D, so H-U-N-Z-I-N-G-E-R-U-D, the letters. 
and then I think my Instagram name's Katie Hunziger. I'm not sure. That shows how bad I am. That's <laughs> okay. You know. But um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's been a fun journey, and it's and I'm really thankful that I've had really supportive parents. And you know, I understand that that's you know I'm a victim of privilege there. And so, um, you know, it's been a wild ride that hasn't been from A to B, but I somehow managed to be at B, and I'm really grateful yes. for everyone who's helped me along that way. Yes, I. that's awesome. There's always so many great people out there, great experiences that you never even know you're going to have. So to all of my audience listening who's in college, I hope this story has inspired you and helped you remember that you're not alone if you're struggling to find your place or if you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. It's okay. None of us really have it figured out. But like you said, if we can all just kind of strive toward being happy, then I think that's the best we can do. So thank you again for all of your advice and your expertise, Katie. I really appreciate it. And with that, I think we'll go ahead and end off the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to go follow Katie and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Genuine Girl. If you liked it, I'd really appreciate a rating or a review on whichever platform you're listening. They make such a big difference by helping A Genuine Girl reach even more people. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media at One Genuine Girl. All letters, no numbers. You'll stay up to date with everything going on with the brand. Have a great week, and until next time, stay genuine, girl.